welcome back to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. Today, I have Haley from Sweet Sequels with us today. So I'm going to turn it over to Haley for a little bit and have her introduce herself to the audience, and we'll go from there. So Haley, it's nice to see you, and uh, let us know a little bit about you. Hello, everyone. I'm Haley. I am a business owner and an artist. So my business is Sweet Sequels, and I make literary-inspired art. Um, but I'm also a mom of four and I homeschool. So uh, yeah, we're in a busy stage of life right now. Great. And I know you said you have four kiddos. What, what, what's the age range of your kiddos? My oldest is seven and I have a five-year-old, four-year-old and a two-year-old. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're in the thick of things for sure. Um, we have a, our, my oldest is a three-year-old, um, I have a three-year-old daughter and then a little more than a, like 20 months or something, um, old son. And then a, uh, to be, well, I guess in our worldview would definitely say a son that's, uh, just not, we call him, uh, a, uh, he's not an air breather yet. So he'll, he'll be here, um, at late August. Um, so your kiddos are a little bit older, but I feel you in kind of similar type of uh, life there. Um, very busy, but I'm sure extremely joyful uh, with, with all your little ones. Yes, it is. Okay. So I, I told Haley um, why I reached out to her is my wife absolutely loves her work. Um, I, I'll link her website and everything down down below so you can definitely check it out. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I was going to do this before I hopped on and I forgot. Um, I think we have three or four items a few in my um in my son's room and then some in my daughter's room and we actually got one of those big quilts um that had uh, i think it was harry potter um is is what my wife got but anyways incredible artwork so tell me just a little bit of your your journey of sweet sequels and kind of what led you to to starting your own business like that so I started my business in 2013. So it's been, it's 10 years this year in November. Um, I was right out of college and I majored in English in college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I've always been an artist, but I majored in English. Um, and I decided to kind of just jump in and start selling products that I was making. And I don't know it's just grown into something wonderful from there because I I'm living my like the dream. I'm I get to stay home with my kids. I get to make art and I get to read books. And um yeah, I mean it's it's been a, a blessing for sure. That that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um I I think especially with with all your your young kiddos and everything to be able to do something that you're passionate about, um, being able to make your own artwork, but not sacrifice seeing your kids, um, and and being involved with your kids. Has that just on the homeschooling front, is that something that you've always wanted to do? Or is that a, a recent thing that, that you decided to do with your kids? I never envisioned myself homeschooling my kids. Yeah. So I was, I, went to public school until high school. And then I went to a private Christian school. And before I had kids and when my oldest was very young, I thought that we might do the same thing, like just have them have the kids go to 
public school and then put him in private school in high school um, because that's what I experienced and it was fine. I mean, I thought it was fine at the time. Looking back now, I'm like, that wasn't the greatest education. Hindsight. Um, But anyway, so when we moved here, we moved to Texas. I'm from East Texas. Um, and I actually went, this is the city that I went to high school where I lived when I was in high school. Um, and my parents live here still. So we moved to East Texas about five years ago. Was it five? Yeah. Five years ago, my husband started teaching at the private school where I went to high school. Um, and they also have a, a newer part of the school. That's a homeschool hybrid, like a classical model. Um, (laughs) So it's two days a week in the school and then three days at home. So that's actually what we do. Um, so when we moved here, my son was two and I started realizing as he got older that I didn't want to, I didn't want to put him in preschool. I didn't want to, then once he got, you know, to be five, I was like, I don't want to put him in a five day kindergarten. That seems like a lot. So, I mean, he was home with me the entire time and then I didn't want to jump into a five day kindergarten because that's it just is so much right away for a little child <laughs> who's never been away from home um so we decided to do the homeschool hybrid classical school and it's been great my husband it's he's on the same campus as the school where my husband works mm-hmm. so um i mean it's just yeah it's just the perfect thing for our family we get i get to spend more time with my kids we get to do three days of homeschool every week um and then they have i mean it's a great little community that they have at the school it's very small my my kids my i have a my seven-year-old is in second grade or he's finishing up second grade and my five-year-old is just finishing up kindergarten so um their classes are like less than 10 kids and i mean it's just it's so nice it's a great uh it's a great opportunity that we have here that not a lot of people have schools like that. So I, 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 I think you're exactly right. Um, there, I know of here, um, and I'm, I'm in South Oklahoma there. It's not like they don't exist, uh, of a school like that, but you, you definitely have to find it. You know, you, you don't just stroll across it. It's pretty rare to have something quite to that degree. Now I've heard of, some co-ops and things like that, a little bit more common, but this hybrid private uh, homeschool, I I love hearing stories like that. And m- mind you, um, I had a very similar experience as far as my growing up. I, I was publicly schooled. I, I graduated all the way through high school. Um, and then I went to a, to a private college for my undergrad. But I never had that desire to homeschool. Um, you know, they're not going to be socialized, all of that stuff that you, you constantly hear. And it not even it, that wasn't even like the big argument. It was just, no, like you public school your kids. That, that's just that's just what you do. That's how I was raised. I didn't think anything of it. My big transition and, and with my wife as well was it was pre-COVID. Um, it, it was still 2019, but um before all the COVID kind of mania. And we just started hearing more and more stories of, you know, kids going to school and they are using different pronouns or they use a whole different name. And these are in public schools and the the parents don't even know about it. And 
then you throw COVID stuff and just everything. And now um, I've been telling people now it's not just, a, oh, I got to get them out of public schools. Now I'm just think like I get excited when I hear stories like yours and, and others. Like there's just so many different ways that you can do this. It's not there's not one set of rules that you have to homeschool in X way. Like there's a lot of freedom, a lot of neat ideas out there. So I think that fits well just in kind of your artistic side of things. Just, that's just a very creative way to, to go about schooling. And I'm glad that voices like yours are sharing that, no, this isn't just something to get away from the bad public school. Like this is a joy. There, there's fun things to do with homeschooling. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like when, when, so when I was growing up, when I was in high school, there was such a stigma attached to homeschool, which I think is part of the reason why going into parenthood, I never considered it to begin with because when I was growing up, homeschoolers were weird. And there was, you know, only a certain type of person was homeschooled or a certain type of people homeschooled. And they were never like, they weren't like socially, they were socially awkward. And, but now there, I feel like that stigma is kind of gone. And, mm -hmm there's not just one way to homeschool. You have, there are so many different curriculums. There are so many different options for hybrids or co-ops and you can do it in the way that, that fits your family. And there, there is a huge community, a homeschool community, even, I mean, everywhere, like wherever you go, you're going to find other people who, who homeschool their kids and who have the same values as you. And so, I mean, your kids aren't, they're not going to be socially awkward. Like you have plenty, unless you seclude your kids and don't ever go out, your kids are, you're going to find a community and it's going to be great. Um, and what I love about, what I love about homeschooling, like the hybrid model or just, you know, being able to spend more time with my kids and have a little bit more control over what they're learning is that I can add in the things that, that I think are important in terms of education. Like, so the, the things that I value, I love reading. I love classic literature. I read to my kids all the time and I have con complete control over that. And we have the time to do that. And we do a lot of art and a lot of art study, classic art study. And um, if you, if you go into a five day school, even if it's a private school, like if you want to avoid public school and you put your kids in a five day private school, you're still missing out on, on the time with your kids and on like the ability to, uh, like impart your own values and your own, um, the things that are important to you onto your kids. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of homeschool anyone. Like, I feel like everyone should at least like try to homeschool or try to do like a hybrid model so that they can spend more time with their kids. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, I, I certainly will give, uh, yeah, every parent's going to have their own style and, and their own way of doing things, but, this is actually a part of my my counseling practice. I, I specifically target some homeschool moms because there's there's a lot of people that are like like you and I that didn't plan this for decades and decades. Like I've always known I was going to homeschool my kids, and they might see some I don't know some some libs of TikTok video or something that they're like, oh no, I I can't expose my kids to any of that. So then they pull kids out and like, well now what? And, and there's just this sudden rush of anxiety and fear, like, am I just screwing up my kid's education and, and all of this um, just negative thoughts about the whole process. And again, I, I don't think it has to be that way. Like you're saying that 
a lot of these moms that think I can't do it, um, you really can. That's just some of those negative beliefs about about yourself, about education, about your kids, uh, all of that that is getting in your way. That moms really can do a whole lot more, and dads too. Um, that dads can certainly, and I would definitely encourage them to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, that I know with my my kiddos as they get older, particularly into like the teen years, I'm really going to do a lot of, uh, we're playing some like cultural education classes and things like that, um, to help teach the the kids about the world. They need to know about it. Um, but anyways, like I said, it's just exciting. Like you don't get to do a cultural education class and, and, and public school, or like you said, your normal public or private school, it's, there's just so much excitement. What, what better thing is there to impact your kids? Uh, I, I just think it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, I just lost my train of thought. No, I, I totally agree with you though, because you can um, choose what, choose all sorts. There's, there's so much support. There's so much out there. And even though, even though it is, I'm not going to lie, it's overwhelming at first. When I, when we first decided to do homeschool, I was, I was so overwhelmed with all the options and I even get overwhelmed now and I have my doubts, but there's so much support out there and there are so many different Mm -hmm. options and so many cool uh, courses that you can do. And you don't, it's not like you're doing it on your own. Like if you want to do a cultural class, like you said, you can go out and find a curriculum because there's Mm -hmm. so, there's so much curriculum out there. And then it's just a matter of following the curriculum. It's not like you have to sit down. I feel like a lot of people have a misconception about homeschool where you're, having to sit down and and write everything out and like write all kinds of lesson plans and do it all on your own. But, and maybe at one point that that is how it was. And maybe some people do that, but that's not how it has to be. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to um, like write your own lesson plans for the most part. I mean, it's just, there's just so much out there that, I mean, it is exciting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, just just Google lesson plan, and, and I guess it that can be some of the overwhelmness sometimes. Is there's so much out there? there is so much. Um, yeah, that's true. But it goes you, both ways. But you you know your kids better than anyone else, and that's something I wanted to, to ask you individually. I know you kind of hit this a little bit earlier, but especially with your your passion of of literature and and art, do you see that? flourishing in your own children through through their homeschooling? Oh, yeah. I mean, my kids love reading. Right now we're reading. Um, we just finished The Chronicles of Narnia. I, I've read it to my seven-year-old and my five-year-old. My little ones are they're not there yet, but um, <laughs> we finished that and they're just obsessed. And then we started, we read The Hobbit and they loved it and they begged me to start The Lord of the Rings. So I'm le- reading The Lord of the Rings to my five-year-old and my seven-year-old right now which I never thought I would do because it doesn't seem like, it seems like it's too advanced, but they like begged me and now, and we're reading it and they love it. (laughs) So, um, but we've read all kinds of great books. And sometimes I just, uh, sometimes I feel like even if all you do is read a good book during the day, that's enough. Like your kids, I feel like there's, uh, especially with, public school, there's like a lot of busy work. There's a lot of um, overstimulation where the kids are just doing too much. And the best way that your younger kids, your elementary age kids can learn is by reading, by playing, um, 
real life experience going outside and discovering things in nature. I mean, it doesn't have to be like this intense program where you have to do all these things. Um, so anyway, we do a ton of reading and my, my son, he's second grader. He, he reads, I mean, this is like, it's not anything that I did cause he's just a naturally gifted child, but he, um, he reads a book a day. I mean, he, he reads all the time and he's just, I love it. Like, I love to see it. Cause I, <laughs> I've always dreamed of having children who are as much of a bookworm as I am. And, and he, that, I mean, he is so, and my daughter is still learning to read, but I anticipate, I mean, she loves being read too. So I anticipate that she'll be a reader as well. My little ones love reading. So, yeah. You know, you're talking about going outside and, and reading books and stuff. Again, granted, my, my kids are on the younger end of things, so they can't actually read themselves. But there's times as a parent, I sit back and I'm like, okay, I know we're not perfect, um, but we're doing something's right. That sometimes the way we get onto our kids is, no, it's time to come inside and they don't want to come back inside. And you got to put the book down so we can go. Yeah. go eat dinner or go, go to grandma's house or whatever. Um, yeah. Great problems. Great, great parenting problems to have. Like, I've had to like tell my, my son to stop reading during dinner or like he'll be reading and I'm like, Hey, you have to listen to me. Stop reading. I'm like, <laughs> I just inwardly laugh because first of all, I was like that as a kid and I'm sure it drove my parents crazy, but now he's like that. And so like, I can't really be mad because he's reading. Like he's so in, like involved in his book that he can't be bothered to, you know, be aware of his surroundings. So, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it definitely reveals things. And that that's something, another thing for those of you that are listening and maybe are thinking about homeschooling, don't wait until their school age, like until their kindergarten to homeschool. And, and it, what I mean by that is just incorporate some of the that structure into it when they're little, not in a, they got to sit here in the chair for six hours a day. No, like we read Weenie the Pooh to my daughter and if you've never read Winnie the Pooh, like you've just watched the cartoons or something, those books are awesome. Like they're mm -hmm. so fun. Um, and they're fun for parents. There, there's so much humor and wittiness in there. Um, and my three-year-old, it's actually quite impressive how much she sits there and listens to it. Like that's part of her education. We, we don't have to give a report card for how well she listened to Winnie the Pooh, but that's part of it. And, and you just put it into kind of your into your life that you're teaching them how to learn that that's really what it is at, at, at its core again you don't have to overthink it it's especially for those of you that went to public school like we did it's not a here's your period of learning and then the rest of your life you have summer vacation and you don't do anything at all like you can schedule breaks in uh, for homeschooling and stuff like that but you're much more instilling how do I t help teach my kids to learn about God's creation? That That's really what it is and how to steward their creation. And you can do that when they're two. Um, it, it just might be, look at these beautiful flowers God made. That that I believe that's a part of that education process. And just, again, don't you don't want to get caught into that typical public or even private school education that that is absolutely how you have to do it because it's really not. Yeah. Yeah, a, um, I don't know what I was going to say again. <laughs> I don't know my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're okay. 
uh, I, I was going to ask you just to kind of um, get back onto the art side of things. Um, I, I, I kind of mentioned this before. And those of you that know me personally, um, I, I appreciate art. I really do. My own artistic abilities are, they're bad. Like they're just, my daughter's going to be able to beat me here pretty quick. Um, and because of that, like I said, I really do have an appreciation of art because my brain just doesn't work that way. So for you, not just for enjoying art or anything like that, but specifically as a Christian why why is art important and why should Christians care about art? So this is a conversation I've had with my husband all the time because he is also not creative and he thinks that he has no artistic abilities whatsoever. And I always tell him, you're a human. That means that you are creative. And I feel like the reason why so many adults aren't creative or think that they can't be creative is because, um, I mean, going back to the public education conversation, um, I feel like the creative creativity or natural creativity is often like sort of, um, stamped on when you're funneled through a, a five day school system where you're, um, you know, you're, you're forced to sit in a seat and you're forced to do all the book learning and all the worksheets and everything. And you're not able to like let your, you know, experiment with things. Um, but the reality is that yes, every human being is creative and we're all, we all have the ability to be, to be art artistic. And it's actually very important for us to be creative and to um, express our creativity because that's, I mean, we are made in the image of God and God is a creator. He's an artist. So you look around you at the world and I mean, it's incredible. Everything is art. You look at the flowers, you look at the mountains, you look at um, a blade of grass and the leaves that are on, on the trees. There's so much like interest and color and beauty in the world. Um, and that's because God loves beauty. And um, by, I mean, and he created us to be, to be like him and to, to be in his, his image and um, I think that it's very important for Christians to, um, as a way of worshiping God, to um, explore our creativity in, in some way. And, and your creativity can come out in so many different ways. Not everybody is going to be a, um, an, a painter or a, you know, a draw, like, you know, draw portraits or whatever, but um, you can be creative in the way that you write or um, the way that you decorate your home or, um, you know, even problem solving and doing projects. Um, but because I think because God cares about beauty, we should care about beauty too. We should make our lives um, a reflection of that. And some of the books I'll just give some book recommendations because, because I always, I love reading and I have so many books that I've read that are on this topic. So um, one of them I just finished is called Art and the Bible. It's by Francis Schaeffer. And it's all about that. It's about um, how God is an artist and um, there's art in the Bible and, and like it's our calling as Christians to appreciate art, whether that's um, making art or just um, appreciating art that's already made. Um, and then also another book 
is um, Edith Schaefer, who is Frances Schaefer's wife, wrote a book called The Hidden Art of Homemaking, and that's more for women, but it's about um, how we can bring beauty into our home and make our home a welcoming place and a place that can inspire um, because it's very important to for our families, for the health of our families, to have a home that um, th that exudes beauty and in whatever form that takes. That can take a lot of different forms. Um, and all, all of those forms are um, covered in the book. And then um, I also love a book by Winston Churchill called Painting as a Pastime. So Winston Churchill was, he in his free time, he painted. So, um, which I didn't know until I read the book. I, I, I didn't either. It, I found it at a thrift store and I was like, Winston Churchill's, at, I, he, he painted? Like, what is this book about? But he actually was a very good painter, but he, um, just as a way to uh, de-stress, because obviously he had a very stressful job, he, he would, he, he decided one day that he was going to learn how to paint. And this book, it's a very short book, but it's just about how, um, how, how much it can improve your life to sit down and do something creative like that, how it can um, just add to your, your happiness and your um, joy of living by sitting down and doing something creative, uh, uh, specifically painting, but in other ways too. And that book comes at it from a more um, secular standpoint. I mean, it's not specifically about Christ Christian living, but um, it's, a, it's just a great book for any for anyone because it like will be, it will convince you to to pick up a paintbrush and and paint and i, I just love it because i'm a painter so <laughs> one of my favorites i i think those are all fantastic thoughts uh, i i'll definitely try to link all those books and things down down below as well um i think that's something specifically as christians that we do need to to hear and, and that's part of why i reached out to you honestly because I feel like so many Christians seed art, music, everything in that sphere to either secularism or just, oh, well, artists, There's those are just those crazy leftist people. Um, and that's really sad because you're right. The, the pound for pound, the most beautiful moment I've ever experienced was my, my wife and I on our honeymoon. We went to uh, Olympic National Park. It's uh, far northwest uh, Washington state and we were up on this mountain range and we could do a 360 spin of mountain ranges on both sides then there was the straight between Canada and the United States and then you could see a mountain range in Canada right over there and further down there, there's a forest over there I mean just getting 360 panoramic view gorgeous everywhere and God made every bit of that like that mm -hmm. And again, that's creation. Um, I could go to any other mountain range in the world and it wouldn't look like that. Um, I can go to, we, we have a, we, we kind of joke of it uh, here in Southwest Arkansas, Oklahoma. Um, it's called a mountain. It's not, it's, it's really a, a rocky hill, um, but it's Mount Scott. But still, we, you go up there and you see the sunset. Um, it's, it's gorgeous. It, it just really is. And, and speaking of sunsets, you'll never see the same one twice. And that's, again, that's creative. And we as Christians need to know that um, art is not something just to consume. Um, it's, it's good to consume good things, but 
yeah, what like you said, we are made in his image. And if he's the creator, then what are we creating? And I love the the practical things. Like I said, we get to see your artwork in our, in our house every day. But the little things, um, how how are you structuring um, structuring life for for your kids? Your job? Are are you actually producing something, um, or are you just kind of getting along every single day? I, that's just something we really need to tap into as Christians to engage the culture. That's where the name of this podcast comes from. Is is engaging, not just sitting back and letting the world go on around us. And we're just this passive consumer. And then one day we die and then we get to praise Jesus. Like, no, we, we need to do it right here and now too. He, he gave us this world to steward. So I think that's a great, uh, a great message that you're spreading. And um, yeah, I, I think, I think more and more Christians really need to let that sink in. Yeah. I, the, this is like a, something that I harp on all the time. The, you can see the decay, like culture begins to decay when great art is no longer being produced. And mm. great art is art that tells the truth and points to beauty and points to God. And even if you're a secular artist who doesn't believe in God, but you're you're painting painting or creating art that is beautiful and that that is that points to something true in the world. So you you're painting a beautiful picture of a a, a landscape, a mountain. Um, you're pointing to God and you're making something that's true. And the current cultural art movement, you know, with all the abstract art and the dark, like just chaotic art. And we have in the other arts, you know, in movies and in books, there's so much obscenity and, um, you know, grotesque. It's just grotesque. And like great art, it, it's not being produced in mass anymore and like um, celebrated by our culture and, and um, uplifted by our culture. And I think that's a sign of cultural decay and a sign of decline. And Christians who Christians who seed art to um, to the to uh, the left or to secular the secular um, world are basically giving up on culture and giving up on the world that we live in, which is God's. Um, it And it's true that a lot of Christians sort of um, are suspicious of the arts and that shouldn't be the case. I mean, when you look back, when you look back, like if you study classic art, um, all throughout history, the great masterpieces are all, almost all of them are, have Christian themes. And most of the great artists of history were Christian, especially when Christianity was the moral force of that time period. So in the Renaissance and the awakening and all this, uh, the great art, I mean, Christian Christians were the ones who were making the great art. And there's no reason why Christians shouldn't be making great art. We shouldn't be seeding the culture. We shouldn't be um, just giving up because if we do that, then we're, I mean, there's no way that we can uh, influence. We, I mean, art is a, we, it's a great tool for influencing people and for winning people over and you make great art. You can, you can inspire somebody to, um, to, to, I mean, you're at least exposing them to the truth. So yeah, I think, I think, Christians need to get back onto the the art bandwagon. I think. Uh, no, I, I think that is 
100% spot on. And the part of the decay of the culture, um, I, I, I don't necessarily think the, uh, the, because the art is lacking, that's why we're going down, but is 100% a massive symptom of where we are. Uh, and I don't see how you could be a, Christian are honestly just somebody that's somewhat paying attention and think our culture is rooted in truth right now. Um, it's, it's just not that. I mean, you can be, I can identify as a woman and do when all these races and things like that, um, that's, that's not truth. And we all know it. And that's part of what's so sad is people that know better of all sorts of situations know better but they're not saying anything they're not engaging they're they're not standing up and that's another reason why i i reached out to you and wanted to kind of speak a little bit more on this you're not you're not just a christian artist and kind of puts a let me just put a little cross on something and that's my christian stuff and then that's it like you you are engaging in and talks um and different Talks of culture, um, abortion, all, all sorts of the the things that you're not supposed to talk out talk about in the public eye, especially if you have a Christian worldview. Um, but that I think, very thankfully, doesn't seem to stop you from talking about these things. So, tell me a little bit more about that process of you being open about things that the culture hates and you stand up for that truth, anyways. Uh, was that really uncomfortable for you? Was it something that? felt natural and how do you respond when you have people that are just saying mean nasty things to you yeah it no it definitely didn't it, it wasn't comfy in the beginning um i think what when did i so i started my business in 2013 and i think i i was probably five years in no maybe like three or four years in when i first started noticing that especially my, my main marketing is on Instagram. That's where I do pretty much everything. Um, I started noticing that the community that I was in bookstagram, um, on Instagram was very, uh, enmeshed in like the leftist, uh, ideologies. And I just, you know, it just bothered me because I was like, what is this nonsense? I don't like seeing this on my feed every day. And I, I didn't know there was nobody else who was talking in that realm who was talking about Christian topics that I knew about. Um, and I started kind of really like, I was, I was scared of talking, of speaking out about it because I knew that when I did, people would come after me for it because that's just how people are. Um, but I started, I did it anyway because I can't keep my mouth shut when I'm bothered by something. Um, but I started talking about, abortion to begin with. And it was, um, it was in 2020, I think it was in 20, 2019. I, I kind of, I did like a, um, I had a sweatshirt that I was releasing and all the proceeds were going to go to some pro-life organization. And so that was in 2019 and it ruffled some feathers, but it was, it was okay. I mean, I got a, a lot of orders and I, I, I mean, it was very successful and I didn't have, I had a few haters, but it wasn't terrible. But then, um, I kind of started pressing into that. And in 2020, I, um, made a post that really got me into trouble. And, um, by that time I had a pretty big following, 
But um, so people and it was the year I mean, it's 2020. It was the year of COVID. It was the year of the riots um, and the BLM stuff. And people were just really amped up and people were angry and people wanted vengeance. And I made a post about uh, abortion, pro-life issues and that's when I was like first canceled, like officially canceled. And um, I had so much hate coming at me and I lost thousands of followers. And uh, um, I had people sending me, uh, wishing death on me. And um, I mean, just horrible. Uh, But, but I don't know. It ended up being it ended up being great because at that point I was like, all right, I'm not going to I'm I'm going all out. I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to come out as a like full full on conservative Christian and that's going to be part of my brand. Because until then it was it was something that I occasionally talked about, but I wasn't it wasn't like the forefront because I was still working. I mean, I was working with all kinds of people in the in the like book realm. Um, I was working with subscription boxes. I was working with um, other businesses and it just wasn't, I mean, I knew this. if I came out as a conservative Christian, like, and made that part of my brand, I would lose, I would lose all of that. So until then I'd kind of held back. But then when I made that post, um, everything exploded and I lost, I was like, at the time I was working with a subscription box. I was making art for them and they, um, and it was a big one. It was a big box that had like over a hundred thousand followers. And they, um, they, they messaged me and it was like, Hey, we can't work. This is over. Like we can't, we can't work with you anymore. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's fine. I don't have to make your art. Um, but then they went onto their page on Instagram and called me a racist like publicly in front of all their followers. So they just like added to the fire. And I mean, it was a mess for a long time, but um, I had, I ended up gaining a ton of followers who were Christians and who were conservatives. Allie Stuckey like shared my post or whatever. So it like brought all kinds of new people to me. And at that point, so all like, you know, all the people who wanted to leave left and I gained a lot of people who were like, yeah, we're with you. We're on, we're like, we're on the same page here. And um, it was, it ended up being so good because I could finally, I felt like I could finally make my art and talk about what I wanted to talk about without being afraid of these people because they'd already come for me. They'd already attacked me and I had to go through all of it. And I ended up, I mean, it was fine. I, I, I got through it and it wasn't the end of everything. So um, now we're two years, three years almost from when that happened. And there have been, I've, there've been many, many occasions where I've um, incurred the the wrath of, uh, you know, those people. And, but it's fine. Like, I just, I'm not phased by it. They can say what they can be mean. I'm never, I'm never mean about like when they, you know, send me their death wishes, whatever. I'm always just like, okay, that's fine. You can feel the way you want to feel. Like, I just don't let it bother me. This is a topic that I'm, I'm pretty interested in. I'm pretty passionate about as well. Um, in my field, um, being a 
being a licensed counselor and being open of of being a Christian and conservative worldview, it's not very well liked either. Um, most things that I do, you know, there's pronouns and all, all that stuff that I just, I'm not going to do. And I've, I've had a very miniature version, a very localized, small version of, of what you have, not nearly as intense, but that's a lot. That's a lot when your character's attacked, um, there there's threats, uh, screenshots, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's scary. And there's no there's no reason to act like that's fun. But what you see on the other side is that freedom. I, I don't have to play by the rules anymore. I, I can I can be open. I can share my values. And not only that, like I, I don't this is not the reason to speak up, but there can be some legitimate even financial and just business opportunities of people that like, hey. No, I want to be with that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that post you're talking about from Ali Beth Stuckey, I'm pretty sure that's how my wife found you. And we wouldn't have known had there not been that controversy. So on that line of thinking, whether someone's a, an artist or they're a counselor like me or whatever they're doing, that they it's not a, oh, it's 50-50. It's like 100% I know I can't do this anymore. I I know I have to stand up and they're struggling because they know there's going to be a backlash. What advice would you give to somebody in that situation to, to get that courage to go ahead and stand up? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you kind of just have to do it. Like you just have to, you just have to click post. I mean, you're going to have like the, you're going to make posts and then you're going to be like, I don't know if I should actually post this, but you just got to, you just got to do it. You got to know. I mean, and it, it's true. It is not fun when it is happening. It's not fun to have people come and attack you. And, uh, you know, I've had every name, bad name thrown at me in the book. Like it's not fun. It's really, and it's stressful. And um, especially like when it happened to me the first time, it was so scary at first because I didn't know if my business was going to recover from that. I, I did not expect that kind of backlash because my, the post that I made was, it was not, I mean, it was, it, it, to me, it seemed pretty innocuous. I basically just said, this is something that you should, you should research. Like, this is an important topic. Maybe you don't like, and that's all it was really, but people just, I mean, people were mad. And then because it was shared so much and it generated so much, um, I, I know people are so angry about it and it was shared by so many people, the book box and all this. I mean, um, it was very at first, the first day it was, I was, it was horrible, but if you trust God and you know that you're doing what you, you feel that you need to talk. I mean, that's obviously the Holy spirit prompting you to, to speak up about something. And as Christians, we need to be bold in our faith. Like we need to this, I mean, the culture that we're living in is so dark and it's so lost. And the only way that Christians can have an impact is if you, uh, is if more people stand up and speak the word of Christ. Like we have it, we have to do that. Um, and if you're scared and you're worried about the backlash, you have to trust God. I mean, I know it's like such a, um, 
Christian like Bible answer or whatever, but it's so true. You just have to do it. You just have, I mean, it's one of the, 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 it's the cross that we have to carry It's one of the burdens of living as, as a Christian in a postmodern culture where people um, reject God and hate God. You're going to get, you're going to get hate for it, but you have to do it anyway. It's just how it is. <laughs> no, I, I think that's, that's a very simple answer, but it's a truthful one. And I think that does take a little bit of the guesswork out of the, out of the picture. There's actually a couple concepts here that um, I've, I've heard recently. One, just on the purely psychological side of things, there's something called a behavioral activation, which basically means if you're feeling depressed, like go take a walk. Like it, it, it's really stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't wait until you want to take the walk. You, you take the walk and there's really no other way to say it other than that. You just, you got to go. And the idea of it is once physically you, you get up moving, uh, it doesn't magically make depression go away, but you start feeling better when, when you're moving. That's just the way that our bodies were made. Similar concept on a spiritual side. Um, Martin Lower Jones uh, has great quote of uh, talking about spiritual depression. And he says, we need to talk to ourselves instead of listen to ourselves and really what that means is, like you're saying, like what does Scripture say to me? Uh, Jesus said, the world hates you because it hated me first. Like That's pretty clear. So tell that to yourself. Let that word sink into you instead of listening of, oh my goodness, they're, they're going to come after me. They came after Haley once and that was scary. Oh, I can't do that. There's no way. Like That's just giving in to that fear and to that anxiety and that's not only not good as just a, as a human and kind of with secular psychology, definitely as a Christian, we're, we're called to be bold. And maybe you need to get some, uh, some help. Maybe you, you talk with, with a pastor at your church or, or with, with your spouse or friends to kind of help you get some of that courage. But nobody's going to press that button for you. Uh, it, it's got to be you. And you need to know what those costs are. Something else I would add is if you're not in that situation yet, um, maybe your, your job's going fairly well. Don't live in fear, but prepare because odds are something's going to happen at some level. So how can you prepare to put yourself in a position um, to where I don't have to give in to, to, to lies? That's, that's part of why I made my own counseling practice as I see that happening very, very quickly. And I want to, I don't want to wait until I lose a job to not have anything to to back up on, let me be proactive. I can't guarantee it's going to go great, but let me be proactive instead of just waiting for disaster to happen. So some other things to kind of think about for, for the audience, if you're sitting there and you're like, Hey, I need to say something. We, we need to know who our trust is in. Um, it's not, it's not in our job. It's not. And all these nice things, not in your car, all, all of that stuff. It, it, it's in Christ. And I, I think you did a really good job of, just reminding us that we don't need to overcomplicate it. Just hit send and trust that God is there and we're going to make it through it. Yeah. And I think another thing that people don't realize, um, if you've never, if you've never like spoken up about your Christian faith before, um, especially like on social media, it feels, it feels like you're the only one. It feels like, you're the only one out of all these people. And, and it, it can kind of like have 
a really like a weird effect on your brain. Like you're, you know, when you feel like you're the only one who believes something, you can, you start to doubt yourself. Mm. Um, but once you do speak out about your beliefs and, you know, are bold people, there will people, there are, there will be people who come to support you. Even if you think that you're the only one, there are other people who are there who are ready like to come and, and stand by you. And like that, I mean, that should be, that should encourage you because you, you will find a, a, a community that is like loyal and will always have your back. And another thing, like if you are really nervous about um, speaking out, but you want to, you can find like talk about it with your friends, like some, find some friends who, who will support you. Cause even if, I mean, you know, who are, tell them what you want to do and like, they can be your support system. They're already to like help you in the moment because um, I didn't necessarily have that at the time. I mean, there were people who like, who I knew would have my back, but um, even like in real life, maybe like my husband like supported me obviously, but like, I didn't like, I didn't plan it out. So I kind of just did it on the spur of the moment. And then like, I was like, oh my gosh. And it was very overwhelming. But I feel like if you really want to speak out on social media in your job or whatever, um, having like real life friends who know what you're going to do and who are there to support you when the, when everything starts happening. Like, I think that's, that's big. Yeah. Well, and that just kind of goes into the importance of community. And that's something through, through COVID, especially, uh, that was really reintroduced um, to me. I've always known that's important, um, but we we found our current church during the middle of COVID stuff, and it had been a while since I've been close to people singing and everything. And wow, like yeah, this is why this is why we're supposed to have community. Um, so yeah, don't don't be a lone ranger. That's not the way we're supposed to do it. Um, have your community for sure. Well, um, Haley, I think there's been wonderful things um, that we've gotten into. Um, I think kind of just wrapping up here. One, um, homeschooling is great. <laughs> Don't be overwhelmed. Uh, find community there too. There are groups galore of homeschoolers. I about guarantee you in your town um, and surrounding areas. So go and find those communities if you have questions. Two, if you're a Christian especially, do some art. Don't don't just consume art. Um, make art be creative. Tap into that because our creator is the creator for a reason, and we're made in his image, so we need to create as well. And lastly, just be bold. Um, we're we're called to be bold, and the world's not going to love us. They're they're going to do some things that that are awful, and they're going to hate us for for saying that. So, be bold and have that community around you to help help you out. Any other lasting thoughts or, or things that you wanted to, to share with the audience before we, we head out today? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, wh where can they find you at? Um, my website is sweetsequels.com. That's where you can buy all of my literary-inspired art and products um, and books. I sell used books, too, so if you love books. Um, and then I also am on Instagram at sweet sequels. Yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll put all that down below. Definitely go check her out. Support her stuff, um, not just because she's on the show, like legitimately. Her, she's got some really cool stuff out there. Um, it's very, very unique and kind of on that creation part. It's like, oh, like it, that was unique. I don't see art like that all the time. So yeah, de definitely go check that out. Haley, thanks again for being on and sharing your story and just for being being bold. Um, I, I think we need to see more and more of that and online and person all, all over the place. So I, I really appreciate you being on and sharing your story. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for, for listening to another episode of Faithfully Engaged and we'll catch you at the next one. Bye.